0: Amen, amen. Just take a minute here to get set back up again. And we sing this song. Our God is with us in this. He will defend. He will defend. And even if, even if it doesn't end, that's okay. Because our God will win. Whoops. He always wins. You know, that's a... uh it's a song we wrote here as a church months ago, and we had no idea at the time how prophetic that that was going to be for us as a people. We had no idea that it was going to be an anthem for so many to sing in times just right where we're at right, right now, that we have a God that is with us in this. We have a God who will defend us in this, that we have a God who will win. Even if this doesn't end, he's going to win because he always wins. We've got a God like my friend Darby says, He's he's got no no L's on his record. He's got a perfect track record. That's our God. And we're in this series talking about the sovereignty of God and how much we need a reminder that God is sovereign over all things. It just means he reigns over all things, that he is a God who is able. He is a God who is present. He is a God who is sovereign. These are the characteristic traits of God. These are the things about God that never change. He's a God who is, who is able. And inspiration came from Daniel 3. So if you don't know the book of Daniel, it's an Old Testament book, and um, Where we find ourselves in Daniel 3, I want to give you some context to set that up before we get into it. The message tonight is entitled, Our God is Able. Our God is Able. And we're going to focus on the characteristics of God. We pulled this from Daniel 3. We find King Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon. You can remember him as the bad guy. Babylon is the bad guy. King Nebuchadnezzar is the mad, tyrant king of Babylon. And they have just conquered the nation of Israel, specifically the northern kingdom of Judah. And they have invaded and conquered. And what he did was he took the best and the brightest out of Judah back to Babylon to integrate them into his society. He was going to teach them their language. He was going to teach them their customs. And he was going to teach them how to worship their gods. And Daniel... Is among them. And he's the main character of this book. But he finds himself three friends named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, if you grew up on veggie tales like I did, I might accidentally call them Rakshak and Benny. So uh, just throw that out there up front Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak and Benny. I'll probably flow in and out because I can't keep them straight in my own mind. But Nebuchadnezzar brings them into his court. And uh, through a series of events, he uh, makes a golden image in his likeness, a giant golden statue. And he declares that all people have to bow down and worship his image and his likeness. And he catches wind of these three brothers who are having not one minute of it. They're not having none of it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it gets back to King Nebuchadnezzar that they're not willing to bow down. And it throws him into a Rage, And that's where we pick up. And this is going to be our text for tonight out of Daniel 3. But before we read the word of the Lord, let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Father God, we're here to remember and to reflect on your character, on your goodness, and on your presence. So Holy Spirit, join us. God, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name. So Daniel 3. Verse 13, turn with me there if you've got a second in your Bible. I'm in the NASB version tonight, Daniel 3. Nebuchadnezzar had just found out. He just found out about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says this, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and anger, he gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, at the moment you hear all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image that I have made, very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Do you know that the first tactic of the enemy is always to question your God? What God is there? What God is there that can deliver you from this? Who is there that can save you? He's not real. He was never there to begin with. This is what the, uh, Satan said to Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say that? Is that really what he meant? The devil is always going to whisper in your ear, what God is there that can save you? He doesn't hear you he's not near to you he doesn't care about you he's never answered your prayers before what god is there says nebuchadnezzar to these three young men who can save you in church when you find yourself in that moment not if but when you find yourself questioning god where are you in this are you near are you a god that can deliver that's what I want you to know. You are closer than ever to God because that is the moment that the devil is whispering in your ears. Your enemy, your adversary is whispering in your ears. He's not with you. He's not present. He doesn't care. There is no God that can deliver you from this. And that's when I want you to get up on your feet, to stand, to shout, to declare, to pray, to sing that I have a God that is with me in this. There is a God. And he is with me in this. He is near to me in this. His name, Emmanuel, means God with us. He's a God that draws near when we draw near to him. If you tuned in last week, Pastor Corey preached an amazing message out of chaos, courage. And he said the thesis of the Bible, three words, God with us. That is his name. And the first tactic your enemy is going to take against you is to make you doubt whether he was ever there to begin with. Our God is with us in this. And listen to what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say in response to this mad king. He says, and what God is there that can deliver you out of my hand. And remember, Nebuchadnezzar had just conquered them as a people. His track record recently was pretty good against defeating the people of God. But listen to what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say. Verse 16, throw it up on the screen so we can read along. He says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. We do not need to give you an answer concerning these matter. These boys are just straight G's. They are the toughest guys I know. This is what we call an absolute flex. Now, we're, we're, we're a, uh, a multi generational, multicultural church, so I, I don't want to assume everybody knows the slang that we use when I say this is a flex. But you know, when you flex, you show your strength. And so, in this day and age, you know, like if after all this is over, you pull up back to work on a Ferrari, like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, that's a flex. Like, you're showing off what you've got. And you're like, oh, it's no big deal. Just, it's a little car I got. You know, Darian Duncan's an amazing musician here and I love to tease him. I was gonna say we love to tease him, but it's really only me that teases him. You know, he knows people in the music industry. So I always love to tease him about the contacts that he has in his cell phone. He swears he doesn't have any, but I always love to tease him that he's just flexing on us. He could just text so-and-so and get some advice and some input. I'm like, Darian, you're flexing on us, man. You know too many people. This is a flex. These boys say, These boys say, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. And can I tell you that there's a lesson in this for you today? That you don't need to give an answer to everything that gives you anxiety. That you don't need to give a response to every fear that you have. That you don't need to meet a question that's already been answered with another answer. That sometimes you don't need to say anything that when this world is coming against you saying this is going to kill you this is going to take you down it's going to get your kids it's going to take your job it's going to take your finances you're not enough you don't know what to do you can't go anywhere when all of our institutions are failing you you sometimes need to stand up and just say no, 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 no I don't need to give you an answer concerning this matter it's already been done I don't need to let my mind spiral I don't need to let fear seep seep into my bones I don't need to let my foundation be shaken I don't need to give you an answer Regarding this matter, that's what these boys said. They stared a mad king right in the eyes. He said, Give me your loyalty, and who's gonna save you? They said, Oh, king, I don't answer to you. I don't answer to you. But if it be so, verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able. To deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. They offered one answer Our God is able, He will deliver. Listen, you better know who your God is. You better know who your God is and what he can do. We're in a moment when every institution we have placed confidence in for the majority of our lives is failing us. Whether it's their fault or not, you can't come to church, can't go to work, you can barely get into Wegmans anymore. I waited in line outside of a Lowe's yesterday. Our hospitals are overflowing and overrun, they don't have enough equipment, our government is failing us. Everything we have placed our trust in is failing us, our economy, So you better know who your God is because you are a being that has been designed to worship. So you have been worshiping something. The question is, what have you been worshiping? Many of us are confronting a very difficult reality in these days that the things that we've worshiped, the things that we have placed our trust and our hope in are failing us and we don't know what to do with ourselves you might realize for the first time ever that you were worshiping your job because it got you out of responsibilities at home. That you could entrust somebody else to raise your children and you didn't have to. And now you're in a moment when you realize, I'm not equipped to do this like I thought I was. My bank account doesn't have in it what it used to have in it. My investments, my retirement, it's not looking like what it used to look like. When you find yourself needing a God more than ever before. What God can deliver me from this? You know these boys had an answer, a confident answer. My God is able. He will deliver he will defend us from this you know god always defends the righteous and the faithful he always defends the righteous and the faithful if you are walking with him pursuing him faithful to him he will defend you but here's where this gets so good in verse 18 here's where this gets so good what god will defend you our god is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace and he'll deliver us out of your hand verse 18 but even if he does not even if he does not let it be known to you O king that I'm not bowing down to you you can take my life have it I don't want it it's not mine they knew they had a God who was able who would deliver and even if they didn't even if he didn't they weren't bowing down to anything Here's where you got to know a little bit of background about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, their position came from Daniel, but their faith was their own. So I skipped over chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2. You can go back and read it tonight. In Daniel chapter 2 is when Daniel, who's the only person in all of Babylon that can interpret this mad king's dream. Nebuchadnezzar kills all of his wise men, and he appoints Daniel over the province of Babylon. And Daniel says, no, that's not for me. Give it to my friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'll stay in your inner courts, King Nebuchadnezzar. These boys found themselves in the position that they were in because of Daniel. They were promoted because of Daniel. They were where they were. They were being asked the question because of Daniel. But their faith, that was theirs. And some of us find ourselves positioned on the shoulders of others because of others we're in church because our parents always took us to church we have kids now it's better for our kids to be in church than not in church so we're positioned because of somebody else we're positioned because of tradition we're positioned because of guilt we're positioned because of conviction we're positioned because i just i should do it but when push comes to shove your faith has to be your own there's got to be a decision that you make that I believe in this God for myself, for myself. Many of you know my parents. They were faithful servants in this church and many others. And a few years ago, they retired down to North Carolina and they, they taught me just about everything I know about God, how to be faithful to him, how to walk with him, how to read my Bible every day, how to pray, how to trust him to provide. And sometimes to challenge my own faith, I wonder, I wonder if my parents called me and they said, We're walking away from it all. We had a revelation, God's not real, and we're leaving. I wonder, does that shake my faith at all? Is my faith in my parents? Is my faith in my pastor? Is my faith in my friends? Or is my faith? in the God who has uniquely revealed himself to me, the God who has given me a foundation to stand upon, the God who has given me all that I need and more. No, it's not going to shake my faith. It's going to fire me up because I get a fresh chance to preach this gospel and I get a fresh chance to lead someone to an encounter with the risen Lord. These boys were positioned because of somebody else, but their faith, that was theirs. And because they had a God, that they knew that he could. They knew that he could. I mean, these were wise boys. They knew the history of Israel, of God leading the nation out of Egypt. They knew God could deliver. They had heard all the stories before and they knew that he could. And it was because they knew that he could that they had a confidence that he would. It's because they knew that he could, that they knew that he was able, that they could have a confidence Faith in who He is and who He was to them and what He would do to them. Because we have a God who is able, we can have a faith that is confident. And when we have circumstances pressing against us that make us unsure, make us concerned, make us fear, that's the minute we got to stand up and tell that fear who is able to deliver me out of this. So when fear comes against me, when depression comes against me, when my addictions comes against me, when the coronavirus comes against me, you say go ahead and throw me in the fire. Go ahead and throw me in the fire because the only thing that's burning up in there is that which is binding me up. And you throw me in that fire because the fire is going to be the very thing that sets me free you go ahead and throw me in because the bonds that are binding me up are going to be ripped off of me and i'm going to come out not even smelling like smoke we don't fear the fire we don't fear the fire because we have a god who is able and because we have a god who is able we have a faith that is confident these boys knew they knew what their god could do you know my son logan is four years old And there's nothing, I mean nothing, that he doesn't think I can't do. To him, I am a superhero. I am invincible. And it's really endearing and oftentimes it gets a little frustrating. Because he says this thing to me all the time. And it's always when he's lost something, which is constantly. He always says this when he's lost something. And, um, you know, Michelle and I, we really have a conviction to raise these boys to be strong, confident young men and i teach my son what it means to be a leader he wants to be the leader because he thinks that means he gets his way and i tell him no if you want to be the leader that means you got to care about everybody you got to take care of us all that means you you usually don't get anything you want but you're going to be strong and confident you're going to be a leader in our household there's a lot of positive self-talk we're always telling our boys how much we love them how proud of them we are I tell Logan every night, you're you're the smartest kid I know. You are the most creative kid that I know. And you are the best big brother. I love how brave you are. Do you know that words have the power to shape worlds? I heard a pastor preach this years ago. Your words have the power to shape worlds. This is a tangent, but this is a freebie just for you. Because I know a lot of us are home with our kids right now. And with our spouses or just with ourselves. But the same God who spoke creation into existence... He made you in his image, which means your words have power to shape the reality of others around you. So as you're home with your children, as you're home with your spouse, or if you're home just by yourself, you better watch what you say. You better watch what you say. And you better consider who you're listening to because your words will shape their reality. So I always tell Logan how much I love him, how much I believe in him, and then he'll lose something. And he'll go, "Daddy." can you help me find my Lightning McQueen? And I am inevitably in the other room. I'm with Levi, I'm I'm eating, I'm helping Michelle with something. And so I'll shout back, I don't know where he is, buddy, but you can find him. I believe in you. You can do it. And he doesn't look. And then he goes, but daddy, I need your help. And so sometimes I'll be looking for it and I can't find it, or occasionally I will know, I will know that it is not in the house. Like we will have left it at church, or we will have left it at his aunt's house or something, and I will know that it is not here. And I will tell him, Logan, I, I can't, I literally cannot find it, or it's not even in the house. Like I cannot physically get it for you. I can't do it. And he says to me every time without fail, it's okay, daddy, I believe in you. It's okay, daddy, I believe in you. I'm like, where did you learn to talk like that? You know, we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego face to face with a mad king, face to face with an ultimatum. You bow down in worship, or that fire that's right there, that's your destination. And as they feel the heat and they look into the eyes of a mad king, there's one thought that goes through their mind. It's okay. I believe in you. It's okay, Daddy. I trust you. I believe in you. It's okay. Church, I wonder if we can find ourselves saying that same thing in these times, in these moments, faced with such uncertainty. It's okay, Daddy. I believe in you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe your plans are better than my plans. I believe that your ways are better than my ways. I believe, God, that all I've got is you anyways. And I believe in you. And if they take my life from me, even better because I'll have more of you. It's okay, Daddy. I believe in you. So these boys, they end up getting thrown in that fire. They stand firm, and Nebuchadnezzar in a rage. He throws them in. He heats it up seven times hotter than it was. He throws the boys in. The men who throw them in perish, and he peers into the blazing heat to see his vengeance exacted. And he looks in, and he asks a crazy question. Weren't there three in there? I thought we threw in three. Who's that fourth guy? Hey, who's the fourth one in the fire? Many people believe it's an angel that joined them to protect them. I believe that it was Jesus himself, the eternal Jesus who has always existed, joins them in the fire and stands in the middle of it and meets their faith with his presence as he always does. And he joins them and protects them. And the fire does in fact burn off their bonds And they come out not even smelling like smoke. And I'm here to tell you and to remind you that you have a God who joins you in the middle of your fire. Who joins you in the middle of the furnace. Who draws near to be present to you because he loves you. Because he wants to preserve you. Because he cares about you. You have a God who leaves heaven to come to this broken world This shattered, disgusting, dirty world where the religious leaders are the ones who are the greatest heretics. And he puts himself at their whim for you. He allows himself to be humiliated. He allows himself to take the beating. He allows nobody to understand him. He takes your beating for you. He hangs on a cross for you. He joins us in the middle of our fire in the middle of our furnace. He is a God who is draws near to us. So when we sing, our God is with us in this, he is literally a God who came to be with us in this. He is the only God in all religion that we don't have to get to. He comes to us. We don't strive for enlightenment. We don't give alms to appease. We don't have to live a certain way to do good enough to get into heaven, to be permissible to heaven. We have a God who left that place and came to us. He is with us in this. He'll defend us in this. And even if he doesn't, I'm still not bowing down to the winds and the waves of this world. I'm not letting my foundation be shaken. I'm not letting fear take over my life. I'm not letting anxiety take over my life. If bad things happen, listen, I was never promised pure goodness. The life of a Christian is often harder. We get put through the fiery tests and trials of life because we have a God on whose back we can stand strong and secure. If you are watching or someone sent you this message and that's not your foundation. That's not your foundation. You're like, I don't, that's not, I don't have that. That's not me. That's okay. In the book of Romans, Paul says, all, all you've got to do is two things. All you've got to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you do that, you will be saved. And that starts a journey of growth for you of learning what it means to follow Jesus, to be a disciple, of learning what it means to have a God who goes with you into the fire, a God who goes with you out into the world, a God who doesn't just stay in one building on Sundays, but he goes with you. He is able to deliver you. I'm gonna ask our chat host right now to throw that button in, just the raise your hand button. If that's you, if you want to make this decision for the first time, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe in my heart that you're real. And I'm about to confess it with my mouth that you are my Lord. Then you will be saved. Go ahead and click that button. If you click that button, click the next button that says connect with us. Because listen, as much as important as it is for you to make a decision for Jesus, what happens next is so critical. You've got to start your journey. And I am here telling you, we will go on that journey with you. We will go with you to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus, what it looks like to be surrendered to him. If you grew up in church or you made a decision at one point and you just need some help because your life doesn't look like a Christian's, it doesn't look like what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, that response would not have come out of you. And you're saying, I want to freshly declare before God, before this church, that I am his and he is mine. I want you to click that button too. And the next one that says connect with us. And if you're watching this later in the week, there's no chat option. You're watching on YouTube. You can text the word new life. Don't worry about capitalization. Don't worry about spacing. Just text the words new life to the phone number 25827. It is our life's work. I speak on behalf of the other pastors here. It is our life's work to walk with you to become a disciple of Christ so that you can experience what we have experienced so that you can face this world with the confidence with which we face it. I've got a God who is able so I've got a faith that is confident. I've got a God who joins me in the middle of the fire so I don't need to worry about what tomorrow may bring. I don't need to worry about what today may bring. I don't need to worry about what the economy looks like or what people are telling me I'll be wise, I'll practice discretion and and all of the good things I need to, but I don't have to let the fear of this world shake my foundation. We want to walk with you. And if you just need prayer, you can click the live prayer button or you can email us, info at gracecub.org. We will pray with you. We will walk with you. We will stand firm with you. Because I believe there is something about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three brothers side by side, facing the king. They faced him together. Don't ever underestimate the power of walking through life with others. They faced him together and I believe with my whole heart that it was that they had someone on either side of them. That allowed them to respond the way that they did. We want to walk with you and connect with you. We want to be on this journey with you because it's the best journey you can go on. You'll see God like never before.